faith. Thanks so much for tuning into our feed on The Trail Ahead. If you're new to the pod, The Trail Ahead is hosted by myself, Faithy Briggs, now Faith Briggs Rose, actually, and my co-host, Addie Thompson. We host conversations at the intersection of race, environment, history, culture, and the outdoors with incredible guests from all walks of life who love the natural world and spend time moving through it in various ways, including hiking, biking, trail running, and much more. And who are using their experience to think about our future together on this planet. As we take our winter break, we wanted to share with you podcasts that we love and feel in community with. So this week, you actually won't hear from Addie and I. Instead, you'll hear from Sarah Shimazaki, one of the hosts of the Outside Voices podcast. What is the Outside Voices podcast, you ask? When you tune in to listen, you'll hear Sarah alongside Ali Ferguson and Nicole Bostic as they seek to redefine outdoorsy by sharing personal stories about their relationships with nature and celebrating diverse connections to the outdoors. They also unpack conversations about how so many of us have inherent connections to the earth, from ancestral knowledge and healing with nature to expanding the meaning of outdoor equity to include cultural relationships with nature. This week, we'll revisit an early episode of Outside Voices about Camp Cosmos, a weekend escape created for and by Asian women, femmes, and non-binary folks to safely feel joy and heal in nature. The group camping trip was hosted by Cassandra Lamb and Karen Mock, the co-founders of a group called The Cosmos. Cassandra and Karen founded The Cosmos as a place to facilitate safe spaces where they can care for themselves and their community, and they grew the group to an online community of over 13,000 who also met at retreats and conferences and held community programs. The founders continue to work in community in new ways, including Cassandra's focus on collective rest, a space of trauma-informed guided rest practices. You can learn more about that at collective-rest.com. This episode features highlights from a group camping trip to Camp Rockaway at Fort Tilden, or Munsee Lenape lands. Addie and I resonated with this episode because these conversations had around the campfire are reminiscent of so many we've had and heard from friends and folks from historically underserved communities, especially first-generation immigrants and the children of refugees, about belongingness and feeling invisible, about navigating familial and generational differences, about seeking safety and inner peace, and reclaiming and reconnecting two cultural roots and ancestors through nature. Outside Voices is a project from Resource Media's Outdoor Equity Program, which seeks to build power for conservation advocacy and community stewardship by centering the perspectives of Black, Brown, Indigenous, LGBTQIA+, and disabled people through intimate storytelling and collective healing. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we do. Stay tuned also for more updates about new episodes of The Trail Ahead coming so very soon. We'll let Sarah take it from here. This episode of Outside Voices was brought to life thanks to the support of our friends at Merrill. Merrill believes in sharing the simple power of being outside. They provide innovative, thoughtfully designed footwear and apparel products that enable anybody to pick up their gear and feel adventurous, confident, and ready to enjoy the outdoors. So to be able to be here with you all as an adult, like I feel like 
I'm doing this for my inner child. Nala's been talking about inner child. So I'm doing this for my inner child, but I feel like I'm also doing this, as Jamie said, like for my hyphenated identity. I'm doing this to decolonize this land because like my brown Asian ass skin like deserves to be on here too, you know? Um, And You're listening to Outside Voices Podcast. We're using our outside voices to redefine what it means to spend time outside and connect to nature. I'm your host, Sarah Shimazaki. Let's get started. In early July of 2021, a woman named Cassandra slid into my DMs. This episode is most definitely a fruit, hopefully the first of many, that grew from the seeds of that initial conversation on Instagram. You see, Cassandra is one of the co-founders of The Cosmos, a home for Asian women, femmes, and non-binary folks to care for themselves, their community, and the world. Alongside her co-founder, Karen, Cassandra and Karen, both based in Brooklyn, New York, are building a beautiful community of tens of thousands of Asian American women, both online and offline. As someone who identifies as an Asian woman, this episode really means a lot to me. And while I couldn't be there in New York, I was excited to be a small part of Camp Cosmos through this podcast. Cassandra and Karen formed Camp Cosmos as a way to bring people together in a way that felt safe during the pandemic, since all the offerings were outside. Coming off a traumatic year of increased anti-Asian hate, the hope was to allow Asian women to find spaces for fun, community, and healing in nature, and also own our narratives around what camp, as a very American concept, means to many of us as we learn to accept and question our relationships to our American identity. Over the course of a month, Camp Cosmos participants went hiking, kayaking, and finally, camping. This episode highlights excerpts from their camping, or actually glamping, trip to Camp Rockaway at Fort Tilden, or Munsee Lenape lands. Hi there, I'm Nali. My name is Jamie. You she, her, hers as my pronouns. I am a second generation Asian American, Indian American. I am a queer Filipino Asian. I am Chinese and Korean and a proud Asian American. A couple of notes before we get into it. The bulk of this episode is from a group conversation that took place after breakfast on the last day of the camping trip. Cassandra and the four campers from the trip sat around a fire pit and chatted, reflecting on the weekend's events and sharing appreciation for the space and for each other. As I mentioned, I sadly wasn't able to join in person, but as I listened back to the recording, I was struck by how beautifully the collective and supportive energy of this group shone through. And I'm excited that I get to share that energy with you all. I really resonated with so much of what they said and just want to take a moment to extend gratitude to them for this opportunity to share their voices. For a space meant to be solely for Asian women, it's really incredibly gracious of them to allow all our listeners to listen in. So thank you. Make sure to also note the gorgeous background sounds of nature. I didn't even need to add music or anything because nature's soundtrack truly has it all. And last, this episode does contain quite a bit of explicit language, including quite a few F-bombs. 
So if there's anybody around who you'd rather not hear such language, I take a pause now and perhaps press that play button later when you're alone. Hi everyone, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We had a pretty epic night last night and I'm cu- like I'm curious for everyone's reflections. What did what has this last 24 hours like meant to you? Okay, so before we get into those reflections, I wanted to take another moment to paint a picture of what said 24 hours looked like. The Camp Cosmos glamping trip started with a Sunday car ride. Everyone met at the rental car center for the first time and drove in one car to Camp Rockaway. Out of four campers, only one had ever camped before. So with feelings of excitement and joy in the air, the campers spent the day walking nearby trails, checking out the wildlife, touching trees. Some of them said that was the first time they had really stopped to touch a tree and be present with it, cooking and playing at the beach. Though many of them had all just met, they expressed feeling surprisingly safe with each other. I couldn't believe that I got to experience and exist in silence together with a group of people and feel and hopefully you guys felt it too simultaneously very comforting and no need to fill that silence Mm. i was minding my own damn business and i was like oh there's presence around me that's comforting and no one felt the need to like fill the space you could just read the room so clearly and i think in korean culture i forget what it's called but there is a sense of um (laughs) collective trauma that makes people more empathetic but then has turned into a culture where They can read the room very beautifully and be more in tune with other people's behaviors, actions, and thoughts. And I felt that none of you felt the need to overextend yourself. You were just focusing on yourself. And I rarely find that. Everywhere you go, if you pause for more than three seconds, people tend to get flustered or stutter. And to find the same level of like-minded women around your same goddamn age, going through insecurities and being honest about your suffering Mm. that was probably the first time amongst the other join the cosmos trips where i was like damn this is what a community feels like no spiritual trauma at a fake church community no sorority or fraternities in college where you're just desperate to find friends Mm. no elementary middle school friends where you're just seeing each other 10 hours a day so you might as well make friends like this is a by choice experience that all of you guys signed up for and it just happened to be lit with a bunch of cool people who were very like-minded and safe and uh, that level of safety and inner peace I felt, I can't believe I felt all of that in like one day. <laughs> and that's going to like carry over. I know feelings will last forever, but it's definitely going to carry over and be something to help ground um, when we go back to capitalism tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> Before today. But a deep, profound sense of gratefulness today, I feel you. Yeah. yeah. It felt like something that I really, really needed. And I realized when I was walking back the last time, I was like, you know what? I need to shift my life to allow myself to be able to be. I feel like this experience is allowing, I mean, not just me, but I think everyone else be in their own way, you know? And I'm always like obsessed with working or worried about this or worried about that. And it's like, you know what? (laughs) I don't want to worry about that anymore. I just want to literally be. I hope people listening to this will understand the essence of what i'm trying to say you know we can't even like be ourselves like there's stuff that came up i think each one of you guys talked about how like feeling like the weirdo i remember one time in group therapy i felt like you know i I feel like a weirdo in this world but i felt in place in that space and you know i feel in place and can just be right here you know Mm, yeah
Best part is, ain't nothing wrong with being a weirdo. Yeah, no. Whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We just put that on ourselves. That sucked a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sucked yeah. A lot. It's good to be weird. Yeah. It really is. It's great to be weird. That feeling of no longer being the only one or the only weird one persisted even through moments of silence. After dinner on the first day, everyone decided to sit out on the sand at the beach together. The stars were slowly coming out and the full moon was bright. It was the mid-autumn harvest moon, an important time of year celebrated in many Asian cultures. As the campers soaked in their natural surroundings and listened to the waves lapping on the shore, they enjoyed a notable period of comfortable and collective silence. It was almost like I felt like I was allowing my body to sync up in rhythm with the moon, the tides, the current, and the water, and also sync up with your like hearts. And that's what I felt when we were just sitting there in that row of this is what it means to be in community. And I feel like we've lost it in urban life and industrialization of just how often are we actually in sync with each other in rhythm in the sense of like, I don't know, we, we've lost like ritual as yeah, a, as a, as a, we're doing stuff, not yeah. even just like being, together. we're not being together. Right. But there's something about being in nature with you all. And in that moment, it felt like all these cycles are aligning, like us being part of the universe, us being part of each other. There's there being a little bit of the stars in each of us, like it all collapsed into oneness and that moment felt both infinite and like a second mm. at once and it just reminded me like I think that's why I I love nature so much and that's why like I want to have more experiences being being around other like BIPOC and especially other Asian women and femmes in her cradle or in her arms <laughs> because it just made me feel so much less alone you know yeah. like I, I've been really in my head about things in my own life or like caught up in the stress of what's not happening. But yesterday I could just focus on what is and that was that was more than enough. We're in this kind of transitional moment individually in our own lives. And that like nature helped facilitated the conversation of there was a sense of ease that did not feel forced did not feel difficult or hard that and there was a place of curiosity from everybody and listening from each person but every person was able to either add to their perspective in a very kind and caring and nurturing way through cassandra and karen's work at the cosmos they've met and spoken to countless asian women in their community who feel like they don't belong in the outdoors. We don't feel represented. We don't feel welcomed. We often feel invisible, like nobody wants to even try to understand who we are. I think it's a goddamn shame that people don't truly know or want to know the full magnitude of not just, mm -hmm. you know, one Asian American experience, mm -hmm. but how vast the mm. spectrum so is. Vast. So vast. It's infinite. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What do you think an Asian American experience in nature, like the future of it, could look like for for you individually? Mm. I think it's going out in groups and not feeling like othered. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Because even like sitting here today, like from an outsider's perspective, they're probably like, oh, like 
are they all doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, and I don't know if that's my whole projection of like what we could look like externally. Because internally, I'm like, yeah, we're just like hanging out. Right. That's time. We're but just, a group of Asians usually is like a tour guide or like yeah, old people I'm like, together. Are I always thought camping was like a very culturally white thing. It's like people who already had a sense of stability and space mm. and then can be able to have that ground to be able to connect with nature. And to go while, home to any day. Exactly. Yeah. While other folks are surviving, it's like, why would I go and survive again and rough it out? <laughs> you, know? like you almost have to like have a certain level of like um, resource, privilege, you know, yes. access, stability, a stable home, a physical home to go back to. To really enjoy and appreciate um, or luxuriate even in, like, the idea or concept of camping. Mm. Yeah. I didn't grow up um, going outdoors, really. Like, my parents are Vietnamese refugees, and they lived in refugee camps for two years in Malaysia. And so when I think about it from that perspective, I'm like, I understand why they can't see it. They can't look at a tent and feel anything other than, like fear or we thought we left this behind or like they can't see living without running water or you know being around being without protection or shelter from the outside world being really traumatizing and I uh I also remember my sister and I begging to go camping and they're like you can was do it because our- you saw white people go or like what was that yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, watching honestly movies and seeing quintessential American families uh, doing you want that things family? like yep. they go fishing they go camping parent trap obviously oh, that yeah. shit yeah. yeah I was like summer camp <laughs> I um, yearned for that <laughs> yeah summer camp and the idea of like your parents dropping you off to have fun for like three months somewhere without parental supervision these were just things that like felt so cool so to be able to be here with you all as an adult I feel like I'm doing this for my inner child. Now I've been talking about inner child. So I'm doing this for my inner child, but I feel like I'm also doing this for my hyphenated identity. I'm doing this to decolonize this land because, like, my brown Asian-ass skin deserves to be on here, too, you know? A quick note, the hyphenated identity they're talking about refers to the hyphen between Asian and American. It's this third space many immigrants or descendants of immigrants find ourselves struggling within, where we never feel completely one or the other, not completely Asian, not completely American, and not completely sure that Asian hyphen American truly encapsulates the different cultures and worlds we walk through. Does it feel like you're removing that hyphen and defining? And merging and becoming one? (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. Or like just defining your identity outside of what? Like was given to you. It does. It feels yeah. radical to yeah. be here in my Asian body. Yeah. I don't know if y'all ever did Kumon growing up. Hell I had yeah. to do Kumon. You know, you get a, you know how you get like stars that build yeah. up to a roadmap, and then when you get to the end of the roadmap, you get a, a toy or something. Yeah. I feel like I just got another star on my outdoors roadmap, yeah. and I'm on my way building up to like I want to eventually go to a national park. I've never been to a national Me park. Um, I want to go like camping camping like not even at a glamping site like in a real tent now these things feel more possible because i'm like i did this you know and like you know exposure therapy (laughs) next i'm just like racking up data next time i'm like now i know bring a sleeping bag because like 50 degrees outside is hella cold (laughs) yeah yeah oh my god if you are a regular listener of our podcast you'll know that outside voices is not just about encouraging new experiences outside but also about recognizing the ways we are 
already connected to nature through our cultural practices and traditions. And our culture too, if you go back to our roots, has such ties to nature that I like want to get back into that from our cultural ancestry versus the colonized approach Mm -hmm. of nature and tourism and what's cute. Mm -hmm. But I do like laughing just because it's baby steps to boundaries like Sarah says exposure therapy exposure therapy yeah because it was cold it was cool (laughs) but you know what learn to bring more layers exactly (laughs) invest in those right brands (laughs) thank you Meryl thank you Meryl (laughs) thank you Meryl so much our our shoes have helped a lot for the hike for sure We'll dig deeper into cultural practices connected to nature, but first, speaking of Merrill, which supported Camp Cosmos, they are one of our valued brand partners who helped bring this episode to life. We have a quick message from an additional sponsor who also supported this episode. So we'll be right back. Endel is on a mission to democratize wellness by making AI-powered mindfulness accessible to all. Their app helps people focus, relax, sleep, and perform better through the power of sound. They recently released a new soundscape designed to enhance mindful movement and bring even more joy to your walks, hikes, and runs. For every 3,000 steps you take, Endel is donating $1 to one tree planted. Use our code OUTSIDEVOICES and join us in Endel for a walk outside in your community. And we're back. Once upon a time, um, there was a period of time in the earth where there were 12 suns and it was so powerful and strong and it just scorched the earth and destroyed everything and all the crops and the people were just miserable. Hear those waves in the background? We're listening in on a conversation from that first night on the beach when the group sat under the full moon. It was the mid-autumn festival, which, as I mentioned, is celebrated in many Asian cultures. One of the participants shared a story behind the festival of Changa, the moon goddess. Chang'e is the woman. I don't know the guy's name. I think it's Han something. He was just a hero and he like shot down all the suns and um, apparently like the city or something mystical was very grateful and they gave him an elixir to mm. give him everlasting life and him and Chang'e were going to take it together and long lasting love. Some thieves came around and said, fuck this, you can't have nice things. <laughs> and they tried to yeah. take it from him uh, but Chang'e devoted to her love which I think is beautiful but she went about it wrong drank the whole thing herself and just started (laughs) floating to the moon because that is where it's like natural like natural gravitational pull was going Mm -hmm. and so they say that the shape of the moon just kind of like holds her and also there's a jade rabbit up there keeping her company so she's not Mm. too lonely and then he dies you know because he lives his whole life as a human and they have that long distance love for ever and every time we look at the moon we you know thank her and him for basically saving the earth from being scorched to death and she is a very like moon goddess special figure who basically saved all of us wow thank you you. my tattoo is named after changa really that's so beautiful i try to name everything (laughs) but the mid-autumn festival like you don't know why we have all these traditions and Mm -hmm. i guess with the language barriers my parents like oh it's just because we do it 
but I'm tired of just kind of like doing things because we do it. Yeah. So I was like, let me buy this children book made for Asian American kids. And it's such a beautiful story. Oh, <laughs> like I with love this it. female safe society and she just chugs, goes, deals with loneliness, but has become an honorable thing that people revere. Yeah. I'm so happy you questioned that and you got and to share it. Because why do we eat moon cakes? Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, My parents never really like They, they don't taste that. incredible. They're a thousand calories per quarter. <laughs> why? But now for, it's like I have to eat one. For I have to, yeah. I have to for eat her. one for Chala. <laughs> I wanted us to take a moment to listen to that story because as we heard earlier before the break, there are beautiful ways our cultures are already connected to nature. Our cultural stories and traditions contain knowledge passed down through generations. This is how our ancestors came to understand the natural world around them by telling and sharing stories. As I myself have been cultivating my connection to nature, I realize it's really about reclaiming and reconnecting to our roots and to our ancestors. When you asked that question and when you were sharing that connecting with our ancestry and roots, the first thing I thought was like, you know what? I want to go to the Himalayas. <laughs> yes, you do, Amy. <laughs> I need to be with my I mean, my I have gone many times to my country, but like more as a child and not really being able to go and connect and embrace to all these other places yes. that some of my other family members kind of yeah. talk about. And it's like, no, I need to be there, you know, not just in nature, but then on that ground, on that homeland, on that deeper spiritual, like cultural, intrinsic yes. level. That's what I need to, to do, <laughs> you know, at yes. some point, yes. maybe when this pandemic, whenever this pandemic is over and when I have the next opportunity to go, I know that's almost like what I sort of, not sort of, I do need because we go back to our motherland as kids and it's a family obligation it's not fun but with the new awakening you actually want to go and be like let me experience this Mm -hmm. on my turns on my own level and so for me to able to take it in and understand yes and not just feel that cultural conflict of being dragged around meeting people that you may not you know disconnected from visiting everybody and then realizing like i just spent my summer as a child being forced to do something and I don't understand this Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that dude yeah what do you think it would be like when your bare feet touch the ground the holy ground of the Himalayas for the first time or even like just that region right doesn't have to be the Himalayas but like other parts of the region that family has talked about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure please cry I'm (laughs) excited probably excitement and maybe some sort of grounding Mm -hmm. being you know I won't know until I do it I'll let you know yeah. <laughs> yes, please. I'll keep y'all posted. Are you gonna send us a selfie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, probably after the facts, and yeah. you know, I probably won't have perception. Yeah, 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 yeah. As we've explored in our podcast, outside voices, connecting to the earth is just the start. Loving it and caring for it establishes a two-way relationship and builds stewardship for the place we call home. My parents really valued going outdoors and. They were both educated in the university system in California, the public school system. And so, you know, they settled very comfortably and nicely in Silicon Valley. And I grew up as a Silicon Valley baby with access to just about everything I wanted to have access to, except I honestly didn't really care to have the access because mm-hmm. I, I had a pretty narrow worldview at the time. But Luckily, I I did have some opportunities to go camping at different national and state parks in the area and outside of it. 
and I didn't see other Asian folks, other black folks, other Latinx folks outside, other indigenous folks. I just, you know, the bulk of my memories when I met other campers, they're all white, um, many elderly, you know, not many young, many elderly folks. And that was my all-American camping experience. It was with other white folks and I never really questioned my identity in it. I was just this young, you know, child just running around. And then as I started growing older and still going out in nature, that's when, you know, it bothered me really deeply that I wasn't seeing other people of color in my area which was mostly asian (laughs) east asian which is you know again there's some level of privileges privilege there um with the demographic but still you know where were other asian folks where were other black folks and is the reason why so many people who are fighting climate change right now are interested in climate change um or want to do something about it and are very visible and vocal about it are is because you know they had the exposure to be out in nature and to care about you know nature as a way for them to experience perhaps what we were we're experiencing now but way earlier you know and for longer and um, many more times and so I think that seeing us out here and being able to open dialogue about greater systemic changes and forces and um, phenomenons at hand, namely global warming and climate change. I hope this is, you know, a conduit for more people of color and especially Asians to fight for sustainability and, you know, a greener future for our future generations because it isn't just about us. It's also about what we're returning back to the land and who we want to return it to and who we're going to do it with and hopefully it's with other Asians other mm. BIPOC folks I'm still very concerned about climate change and you know hope to see that Asians and Asian women and femmes and non-binary folk are really leading and also elevating other movements to to fight back against greed and, and capitalism and mm. you know I know it's sort of labor of love and spiritual work and exhausting but um yeah it's just i guess sort of we will see (laughs) oh as you were speaking sarah i was just thinking about how i've thought about this before but like how fucked up it is that so many asian americans are here because of global forces like imperialism like war like colonization yeah and i like one of the things i feel like is not nuanced or not problematized enough is like the immigrant narrative i'm like yeah when when it's told typically when it's told it's like you're coming here for better opportunity as if it's like a i mean in some ways it is it's a choice i do believe people have agency but i'm like what forces created the choices that people had what is it that made it so dire that you decided you had to leave your home home, like the place where you were the majority the place where the land that birthed you the people that held you the community that loved you the like the culture the language that that is of your blood and bone leaving that to go somewhere else with with such risk that's not a decision any individual takes lightly and pure survival exactly and as i problematize that narrative i think a lot about how so few folks understand how asian americans came here and how and why and under what 
under what legislation and and even now as we're here like we've been in some way like all of us displaced from motherland our motherland and then now trying to figure out where we fit on this land and because we don't have relationship to land I at least personally feel this like cognitive dissonance because I care about climate change on an intellectual level but because I have not had a relationship to land that I'm trying to cultivate now as an adult as a result of what my family went through and also not having been back to Vietnam as, a, as an adult without my family. I feel at times like really paralyzed with like, what, what can I do? Because right. I don't even know what I'm protecting right. or what I should be protecting. Right. And so, so, so much of this um, idea that we're radical and taking up space is also like, it becomes so much easier to protect something when I have a relationship with it and when I know what it means to me and not just like what some white climate activists posted on Instagram to try to shame me into like action. No, this is, this is a felt sensory somatic experience. And it's and that emotional connection, I think is going to stay with me and make me more passionate about, and also more, I think more empowered. Going back to what Sarah said, if I just look at the news, I just feel like, well, shit was bad and it's all going bad and we should have done something to yesterday. So I'm just going to curl up under the covers, right? Like I'm so depressed reading this. But being out here with you all, I'm like, no, fuck that. We're fighting. We're about. fighting. Yeah. <laughs> We're fighting. The earth can regenerate. The earth is powerful. But she just, she needs us right now. Mm. I like that. Can I just say, with a big group of people from different cultural backgrounds and ancestral paths, like, we are literally, I've never been around other people who can elegantly and eloquently express their feelings and maybe like not their mother tongue and we can just validate and understand each other so beautifully like it's not like y'all are speaking mandarin chinese to me (laughs) it's so fucking beautiful and there's no fillers there's no filtering i would assume um and it's just so fluid in the way you guys express yourselves with different cultural backgrounds from us like that's fucking beautiful Yeah, Yeah, because English isn't my first language. I don't know about you guys, but Mm -hmm. I know for a fact I don't speak Vietnamese or or Thai or any other languages that you guys may have grown up with. And it's so cool that I can understand you to like the soul Mm. and not our mother tongue. Mm. Um, And that I think might be the first time I've kind of embraced the Asian American experience where I realized, oh shit, other people grew up displaced from their homes too. Mm. I wonder what we're like now, and this is what it's like now. A bunch of late 20s, early 30s people having shared experiences that we just kind of grew up quietly and feeling othered. Mm. I had no idea. Blew my fucking mind when I was a kid. Mm. I was like, I'm the only one again. As the camping trip drew to a close, each of the campers shared their final words and reflections. I want to encourage other Asian people around me to look into what the cosmos is doing to join the cosmos or form something similar if they don't identify as femme or non-binary or a woman and to just ask them how they feel about nature and how nature makes them feel and why aren't they connected to nature and what they think could happen when they're out in nature and just try to advance conversations or spark them I'm bringing home with me, um, like six mosquito bites. (laughs) Three on your face. (laughs) But definitely that 
I'm just gonna bring home more inner peace and I'm gonna hold on to that shit for the rest of my life. Mm. I'm probably never gonna forget it. I'm gonna make new traditions that are meaningful to you, like you said, and I'm gonna make sure, like, maybe my future generations will know nature as a very Asian thing to do. And they're not just gonna go Mm. goddamn fishing. Because I don't honestly like fishing. (laughs) So we're gonna go sit on the beach and eat some mooncakes and, like, honor our ancestors in our own way. It made me feel, like, less alone. You know, I didn't even realize there were ways in which I was feeling lonely because mm. i think so much of the pandemic like i've just we just had to adapt and normalize but there is a part of me that has been activated and touched that hasn't been in a while and i feel i don't know if you remember that scene in mulan where she's like praying at the shrine and all her like ancestors come up before she like runs away from home i visualize that all the yes time. yeah yeah after she cried like singing reflections by christina aguilera in the water <laughs> i feel like us being here together what i sense is behind us our ancestors rising up out of the ground or coming from the sky lovingly pushing us forward and like you got this like we fought we suffered we endured Mm -hmm. so that you could shine you could thrive you could feel love and that you could make sure other people will feel how you feel like that's Mm -hmm. what i feel empowered by and i think a lot of this i have to thank because i've been reading more indigenous science and wisdom and the way that indigenous folk have connection to spirituality through earth i'm remembering my ancestors had that too like asian culture is hella spiritual and earth-based yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> i think about my the fact that my grandma like literally has a farm and like chicken like so many animals i would go to the bathroom in a hole in the ground like it you know like and crops and that's in me that's like in, some version is in all of us and i'm like oh the answers are all inside i just got to tap back in and listen and not let the world and white supremacy distract me from what I already have. And so I feel like what I have is worth something even more now that I see that each of you are trying to hold whatever that is for yourself. I'm like, yeah, this shit is. Sisters would be so proud. Yeah. You would be so proud right now. We're probably like cheersing and drinking like yeah. that, good, <laughs> that good good right now. I wanted or got what exactly what I wanted, but I think it was like connection and feeling of uh, release again in a very different way of just being, um, being and surrendering and quiet time, but also quiet time with others. Mm-hmm. And I guess the thing that I want everyone else to go home with is a feeling of things will be okay. Mm-hmm. Like I know we have a lot of our own things going on and decisions to be made but there's power in not knowing either so idk and that's okay and keep going like we got this idk and, and that's it's okay, okay. Yeah. shit i'm gonna put that into a children's book. Yeah. <laughs> idk and that's okay mm. i think for me i'm like really coming back home to myself homing kind of taking in not just what people are saying and listening, but also I was going to say learning, but I'm really unlearning, you know, mm. and being able to just be centered and to connect with myself. I'm unlearning all the crap from like before, from my own histories, from like what, you know, we've just gone through societally and be able to connect and ground literally, mm. spiritually, metaphorically to nature. And I just hope anyone who comes across this and listens just to find listen to yourself and find your people places and spaces where you know you resonate and where you connect and where you belong to 
you know, help you with your journey, but then also the collective journey of where we need to take our claws out and take this world back to us. Yes. Our fresh fucking manicures. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much to Cassandra and Karen for creating these beautiful spaces at the Cosmos for Asian women in the outdoors and for working with me to help share those stories. Heaps of gratitude to the Camp Cosmos participants for letting us all in and allowing us to feel some of the magic they created together at camp. Our beautiful logo and cover art was designed by Brooklyn Bell. And this music you hear at the beginning and end of every episode was performed by Olivia Van Dam and produced by Jameson Blue Stegmeyer. All credits, links, and resources can be found on our website, outsidevoicespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Outside Voices Podcast. Outside Voices Podcast is a project by Resource Media. This episode was made in partnership with our friends at Merrill and sponsored in part by Envil. Until next time. Special thanks again to Merrill for partnering with us on this episode and for supporting Camp Cosmos. Merrill believes in sharing the simple power of being outside. No matter who you are, where you come from, who you love, or how you move, everyone should be welcome in the outdoors and wherever life takes us.